You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Happy 3rd of July, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, ready to continue this long weekend. I guess, well, for those of you who do get to celebrate it as a long weekend or just, uh, you know, keep keep this weekend rolling uh, with uh, all kinds of baseball news and analysis. Uh, we've got the uh, all-star rosters that have been announced, except, of course, for the uh, final vote players. Uh, but we also have a number of players who head into this week 14, marking the beginning of the fantasy second half um, in some uncertain health situations. Yes, I realize that in a lot of your leagues, your lineups may have already locked because we've had the first pitch already of week 14 uh, with that uh, Orioles game having just started Orioles at Brewers. Brewers have actually already jumped out to a 4 nothing lead in that game. But, uh, you know, if you uh, are in a league with a rolling lineup block or uh, you're in a daily lineup league, uh, I'm still going to run through some of the key injury situations that you'll need to address and other news, weather, lineups, all that good stuff. So uh, just uh, start here with a quick note about the All-Star rosters, which I know don't relate directly to anything fantasy-related, but I, I just thought that the fans did an outstanding job this year. I really, really like these rosters. I love the fact that Justin Smoke is your starting AL first baseman. And I know I've talked about it on this show before. Um, I've talked and written about this in other forums that I'm not uh, really a huge fan of rewarding players for uh, a big first half if they haven't really done it before. Um, But, you know, in the case of a first base in the AL, um, I, I do think that Smoke, really probably the best options there were Smoke and Alonzo, and Alonzo made the team as well. So even though those guys are, are you know, breakouts this year uh, and, you know, sort of late career breakouts, you know, relative to, to a lot of other players, uh, I, I thought they were the best choices for first base, and it's really cool because, uh, you know, if you think back to going into the season, those are probably – just about the last starting first baseman you might have considered that would be representing the American League. If I've got beef with anything, it's probably Zach Kozart getting the nod over Corey Seager for exactly the reason that I just stated, that if it's between somebody who's done it for three months versus somebody who's done it a little longer, I'd give the edge to the guy who's done it a little longer. Uh, not that Corey Seager's, you know, some aged veteran or anything. But um, you know what? Given that Joey Votto is giving Zach Cozart a donkey for being voted in, I'm even okay with that. I, that's that's my favorite all-star story so far, or at least all-star vote story. A lot more to come there, obviously, with the game itself, the home run derby, the futures game. So a lot to look forward to. And a lot to look forward to this week and in this show, because like I said, got some injury situations uh, to go over to, some Jonathan Lucroy news uh, that may give you something to think about fantasy-wise, and uh, break down some of the Sunday performances. So all of that is coming up right after this break.
quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at RotoExperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is Dan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, for this entire hour. And as a quick programming note, by the way, uh, no show tomorrow, but that will be the last Tuesday for a while. We won't be doing a show uh, that we're adding Tuesday to the schedule and also extending the Sunday show by an hour. So looking forward to doing this uh, even more uh, for the foreseeable future. So I uh, hope you, you tune in for that. But after today, I'll take the, the holiday off and, and be back on Thursday. So uh, before we get to some news, including uh, some late breaking news from that Brewers Orioles game, need to tell you about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app as you can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in the car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and you can take the experts with you. So as for that late-breaking news, uh, that game is now 7 nothing in favor of the Brewers, but unfortunately some, some bad news, uh, very bad news for the Brewers, uh, that uh, Travis Shaw has been hit by a pitch in the hand. I'm going to actually just look that up and confirm that. But um, he is out of the game. So that's uh, not, I don't have any further word other than that. But um, you know, it doesn't sound good in terms of how serious it is uh, or any other information. Obviously, if that comes along, I will uh, we'll update you on that. But yes, it was his left wrist, uh, Travis Shaw's left wrist. Um, and actually now it's not, I saw some reports that he was out of the game. I'm seeing mixed things now about that, but uh, I'll uh, keep you up to date there. Uh, yes, he is out of the game. So keep you updated on that, Travis Shaw. But if you, uh, well, I was uh, for daily leagues, obviously that would be an issue for your weekly leagues. Of course, Brewers already playing, hence the injury. So uh, let's uh, move on to the weather. And this should be a pretty short update. This is from uh, Roto Grinders Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth. And uh, no major chances of precipitation, so probably not anything that you need to be uh, worried about. Colorado, there's a 15% chance at game time. And also same uh, at Yankee Stadium against the Blue Jays, 15% chance, 18% chance at Philadelphia. Those are the the greatest chances for precipitation. And again, none of the major, so... uh, you may want to just check back again before tonight's games to make sure that those probabilities don't increase. But looks good to go to go with your favored lineup for today. All right, so uh, to the news, 
Uh, the Rangers, according to Ken Rosenthal, are reportedly open to trading Jonathan Lucroy, who is uh, in the last year of his contract. And uh, they've been playing Robinson Chirinos quite a bit behind the plate, uh, more than I certainly would have anticipated this year. Uh, he's hit pretty well. Lucroy, of course, has had a very disappointing season so far, both uh, offensively and defensively. So um, if you've got Lucroy in an AL only league, that could be problematic. Or maybe if you have him in a mixed league, maybe you could look at that a change of scenery could be a good thing for Jonathan Lucroy. So uh, that's one that I'm sure will develop over the next few weeks. Uh, to some injury news, Nelson Cruz did not play yesterday due to a sore knee. And according to Bob Dutton of the Tacoma News Tribune, he is unlikely to play for a few days. So sure sounds to me like Nelson Cruz should be sitting in most mixed leagues this week. Uh, there is no news, no update on Ian Desmond and his right foot uh, and ankle calf injury. Um, so it sounds like Desmond probably should be sat. Uh, however, Carlos Gonzalez is expected back tonight. And Gerardo Parra, this is all according to Jenny Kavner of Root Sports. Gerardo Parra is expected to be sent on a rehab assignment soon. And uh, that Rockies game is an 8-10 Eastern start in Colorado against the Reds. So I don't imagine we'll be seeing that lineup uh, anytime during this hour. But uh, Carlos Gonzalez, I mean, he's questionable to start, you know, just because of uh, a general lack of production this year. But, uh, you know, particularly in a deeper league, probably safe to go to go with him. Ryan Healy left yesterday's game against the Braves early with some back spasms. Uh, they are reportedly very minor, so I would say barring any future report that uh, Healy should probably be good to go this week. They do, the Athletics do have a game tonight. That's a 9 o'clock Eastern start against the White Sox. So if you've got a, an opportunity to tweak your, your lineups, uh, definitely look to see if Healy's going to play tonight because I've not seen any further word on that. A.J. Pollock is expected to return tomorrow to face the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. So good news there. It looks like Pollock is good to go. However, his teammate, Yasmani Tomas, has had a bit of a setback uh, in coming back from his uh, groin injury, had a, uh, some discomfort on Saturday in a uh, rehab game. So that uh, uh, update, courtesy of Fan Rags, Jack Magruder. White Sox placed David Robertson on the paternity list, so he could be out from anywhere between one to three games. So especially in daily leagues, if you need uh, a fresh source of saves, Tommy Canely could, uh, I would think he'd be the lead candidate to get the call. And I would think tonight's game would be a pretty good opportunity maybe for the White Sox to have a save opportunity because uh, they're they're playing that game in Oakland against uh, the A's. Uh, Jarrell Cotton's going for the A's. Uh, White Sox are going with Carlos Rodon. So not sure exactly what you get from Rodon. I would think that probably he's going to give you a better start than he did his first start off the DL. But I think that could be a close contest, maybe a high-scoring one. So uh, not, uh, you know, I, th I think that's something to look into. And maybe even for a weekly league, in the event that Robertson's out maybe for the full three days, Canley might, you know, he might get one or two save chances. The Blue Jays have traded for Miguel Montero, who will serve as the backup catcher to Russell Martin. Uh, that is a deal that's involving a player to be named later going back to Chicago and possibly some cash on both sides of that trade. And Aaron Sanchez 
could be back in the Blue Jays rotation this weekend to face the Astros. And regardless of when when, uh, Sanchez does make that return, I think we've probably seen the last of Joe Biagini in the uh, Blue Jays rotation. I saw a report a couple days ago from MLB.com that the plan was to move Biagini uh, back to the pen very soon. So that was that actually preceded this news about Aaron Sanchez maybe being back this weekend. And uh, certainly Biagini did not help his cause uh, with his start on Sunday. Matt Holiday is not expected to return this week, according to MLB.com. So make sure uh, if you have a chance uh, to change your lineup there, if he's in it, get him out of it. So uh, most likely no Matt Holiday before the All-Star break. He's been dealing with a viral infection and uh, no further update in terms of his health status. So I ran a poll on Twitter uh, earlier today, and it, it came out of actually working up uh, the, the notes uh, for the show, but also answering some questions um, for the, the, the coming week. And I got a, a really sort of curious question um, about Mitch, well, who to start, Mitch Hanniger or Manny Margot? And sort of my gut reaction was, well, of course, Manny Margot, because Mitch Haniger really has not really produced as well, not really produced that much at all since coming off the DL, and it's it's been a couple weeks now. So it, just in terms of looking at how players are trending, that almost seemed like a no-brainer, because Margot, in, in coming off of his DL stint much more recently, he's been producing really well. He's been hitting, been showing a little bit of power, stealing some bases. Um but then I, you know, I realized that the schedule for the Padres this week not really conducive for Margot to steal a lot of bases. They've got the Indians and the Phillies, and those are two of the three best teams in terms of preventing stolen bases. So that for me, that's a big part of Margot. If I'm just starting him for you know, batting average and power, there's there's better options out there. So. I actually advised the person who asked the question to to start Haniger because first of all, you know, cold and hot streaks don't go forever. But uh, I just think that Margot has a, a big chance of losing a big part of his value this week. But that made me think. I'm in that in that piece of advice. I'm favoring the matchups over the trends because if I'm just going strictly on the trends, then it's a no-brainer. It's Manny Margot over um, Mitch Haniger. So I put it to a a vote on Twitter, and I'm going to tell you the results. I'm going to leave this as a bit of a cliffhanger here because we got to go to break in a few moments. Uh, But I put it to Twitter. Which which factor do you give more weight when setting your lineups? Matchups or hot versus in hot or cold streaks? Which do you give more weight? I will tell you it was a pretty close, pretty close vote, which I expected. But uh, after the break, I will tell you which side got the most votes and talk about some other week 14 dilemmas and talk about some other standout performances from Sunday. So stick around. Lots of good stuff to come. Many fantasy football players are focusing on their upcoming drafts later this summer. But the smart fantasy owner knows there's another big draft before the one where you pick the players. The first step in building a winner for the 2017 season is to draft the best team of experts for your preseason prep. 
So make the right selection and pick the squad at rotoexperts.com by purchasing the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. The Roto Experts roster features FSWA inaugural Hall of Famer and former Fantasy Football Writer of the Year Scott Engel, nationally acclaimed top ranker Jake Seeley, 2015 and 16 FSWA award winners Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison, and many more analysis with impressive stats. They bring you a draft package bursting with all-pro analysis and in-season coverage that'll guide you to title glory. So pick the team to help you build the right team. Make your first important selection of the 2017 season now and get the exclusive edge fantasy football package from rotoexperts.com. Be sure to enter promo code free radio at checkout for your discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host, Al Melchior. I have something of an update here on Travis Shaw, and I would say it's, it's an encouraging one. And this comes from the Brewers' Twitter account. Uh, just three minutes ago, they tweeted, uh, Travis Shaw left today's game for precautionary reasons. So it's a bit vague, I have to admit. But uh, that language, precautionary reasons, that leads me to think that uh, this is hopefully not going to be a big deal for Travis Shaw. So uh, you take the encouragement where you can find it. Um, if there's any further word, I will pass that along. But that is the latest that I've seen. So back to the uh, Twitter poll. Speaking of Twitter, that I was talking about just before the break. Um, so I had a, a very sort of practical question for week 14 from a, a Twitter follower, whether to start uh, Manny Margot or to start uh, uh, Mitch Hanniger. And uh, I, I suggested Hanniger, even though recently he's been much colder than Manny Margot. And I realize there's, there's a little bit of a you know philosophical question kind of wrapped up in that, which is, which actually should have more weight. And I had one responded to this poll, um, I thought with a very good, thoughtful response, which is, you know, maybe it depends whether you're talking about hitters or pitchers, uh, you know, because a pitcher, unless, especially if it's a one-star pitcher, which most, most pitchers are, um, you know, I would think that matchups would probably hold, hold a bit more uh, weight there because, you know, even a, a really hot pitcher, uh, could run into trouble. And actually, that's going to provide kind of a good segment to the next question uh, that I'm going to cover here. I'll save that. But um, Sean Newcomb, just to give you a heads up, I think that sort of matchups versus streaks thing comes into play there for him. But this was a hitter that, or two hitters that uh, were involved in this question. So I, I put the, the question out there. 54% out of 254 respondents said matchups are more important. So in this particular situation, if they had interpreted the same way I did, they also would have gone with Mitch Hanniger over Manny Margot. Um, then, of course, the remaining 46% said the streaks are more important. So pretty closely split. And I was tracking this as the votes were coming in, and it was pretty close to 50-50 uh, throughout. So uh, I, you know, I wasn't really sure what to expect. But I think what that does show with the close result is that there's not really a clear consensus on it. And maybe it does depend on whether you're talking about hitters versus pitchers or maybe even just the type of hitter. Uh, if, you know, there are some hitters who I think would be more prone to being affected by matchups that they have really lopsided splits. Um, you know, there are hitters or pitchers for that matter who could be very streaky. And uh, just one hitter that comes to mind that I'll talk about a little bit later on Hanley Ramirez. I mean, I just know from following him for his whole career 
that he is a streaky player. So I might take the hot and cold streaks from Hanley Ramirez a little more seriously, knowing that they tend to be frequent and they tend to be protracted. So when he's in a funk, he's in a funk for months at a time. When he's hot, he's hot for months at a time. Uh, or at least that's that's my perception of it. So, um, you know, it, it maybe it's hard to answer this in a blanket situation. But, uh, yeah, in this particular case, yes, I, I went with the matchup. And I think I generally go with the matchups more than the streaks because the matchups, I feel like I can rely on that data if there's enough of it. Now, if it's somebody who's a rookie, you know, who was called up this season, for example, I was looking at some splits for Ian Happ earlier today. He does really well against finesse pitchers and really, really poorly against power pitchers. And and the Cubs uh, schedule this week is, is sort of split, but it ends with four very definitively finesse pitchers in a row at the end, which you think would bode pretty well for Ian Happ. But, I mean, those are really small samples because he hasn't even been up for half a season. And you're taking those, you know, roughly two months of data and splitting it basically three ways. Uh, And these data, by the way, do come from baseball reference where they keep track of how do hitters perform against the the most finesse-oriented pitchers and the ones that are the the most power-oriented pitchers in terms of the highest strikeout and walk rates. And then there's the middle ground. So you're taking a small set of data and splitting it three ways. Very, very hard to put a lot of faith in that. Um, But uh, over a a larger set of data, I'd say even a full season's worth, and you split them up into whether it's lefty-righty, finesse versus power, home versus road, um, I have a, the more the data, the more faith I have in those versus somebody on a hot or a cold streak. And you never know when that streak's going to end. And you never know when the next streak is going to start. Is this the week Mitch Haneker turns it around? Maybe, maybe not. But the skill set that he's shown in the minor leagues during a brief time with the D-backs last year and then this year in his time with the Mariners, which has also been relatively brief because he spent so much time on the DL. But Making the best guess I can based on all those data, I don't see why Mitch Haniger wouldn't necessarily have a good week this week. So I, I trust that more than just the streakiness uh, of him or Manny Margot. Um, I, you know, I, I'll take those matchups against Margot and and say, you know what, I'd rather go with Mitch Haniger. So I just thought that was an interesting question. I thought the results were interesting. Uh, another dilemma that came up in, in answering some questions and probably the most common question that I got on Twitter heading into today's lineup block, and it's understandable because this is a tough and interesting one. Do you start Sean Newcomb? He's been surprisingly, and I don't mean this is a knock on Newcomb because he's a top prospect, but he's exceeded, I think, most people's expectations in his first starts with the Braves. But he's not had a really tough matchup yet. His toughest ones were probably, I think, they were the first first two starts he faced the Mets and the Marlins, who are both good, though not great, against left-handed pitchers. And he fared pretty well. I mean, the one start he's had that's been really just sort of mediocre was the one against the Marlins. And again, I don't want to read too much into any one start that Newcomb's had. And if you want to get kind of a higher-level, bigger-picture um, take on, on Newcomb's performance, Eno Saris wrote a really, really nice column for Fangraphs within the last day or two uh, about Newcomb and Jordan Montgomery as a couple of taller left-handers. 
and sort of how they match up with how they fit in with the, the larger pattern of uh, young, tall pitchers and, and kind of their struggles to get their mechanics right and taking maybe a slightly longer path to breaking out. Really interesting piece by Eno Saris that you should definitely check out. But it definitely made me feel a lot more encouraged about what we've seen from Sean Newcomb so far and to give me a little bit of an explanation of what, to me, looks like an out-of-nowhere breakout performance. But he's got two really tough matchups this week. He's got the Astros at home and then the Nationals in D.C. And these are two very good teams against left-handed pitching, far better than any of the teams he's faced so far, including the Marlins and the Mets. Uh, So uh, one question I got, the first one I think that I got that really got me scratching my head was, do you start him, Newcomb, over a one-start Rich Hill who's really rounded into form? And I got to tell you, the um, the – sort of gut reaction I had was you start Hill because I'm still very skeptical of Sean Newcomb. But the more I thought about it, I thought, okay, well, it is two starts. I felt like that was being a a little hard on Newcomb and being a little bit dismissive of what Newcomb's accomplished so far. And and frankly, probably that Eno Saris piece might have been just the 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 straw that tipped me in the in the direction of of favoring Newcomb over Hill. Uh, that you know maybe there is a plausible explana- explanation for why Newcomb has been this good and not just crediting it to his matchups. Um, I do worry about Newcomb against the Astros. I mean, they're just they're a good team, whether it's righties or lefties that they're hit against. Um, they don't strike out much. Uh, Newcomb, you know, has the 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 real Achilles heel for him as a prospect has been control. Um, they they draw walks against lefties. So that that does worry me. I mean, frankly, the Astros worry me for almost any pitcher. But I think the Nationals, they're not quite in the same league with the Astros in terms of their numbers against lefties. And, you know, they're missing Trey Turner. They're missing Jason Worth. I think Newcomb could escape that one. It's still a very tough matchup. But, again, I got to give Newcomb his due and say, you know, based on what we've seen him do against the competition so far, he could probably handle that lineup. Maybe it won't be uh, a scoreless game or a, a one-run effort for Newcomb, but maybe you know I, I could see him coming out of there with a quality start and and just compiling enough good stats in that one start that even if the Astros start is not so great, that Newcomb saves. So I know it's a very very long-winded ex- explanation, but you know, look, Rich Hill is risky too. He's going well now, but you know he's had his inconsistencies. He's uh, not typically gone deep into games a blister could resurface for him. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, maybe I'm bending over backwards a little bit here to come up with reasons why things could go poorly for Rich Hill. I don't really expect that, but I I think it's more of a vote of confidence uh, in Newcomb to do enough in two difficult starts to be better than Rich Hill in one start. But again, it's that question of how much do you weight the matchups for a pitcher that you don't have a whole lot of data on? So this week, more than any recent week that I can remember. I mean, those are two really interesting start-sit questions. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of break those down a little bit because I think beneath the players involved, there are some kind of interesting process-type questions that are, are worth, uh, you know, bringing a little bit of, of uh, awareness to. So that said, 
Uh, we have yet to get to any of the actual performances from Sunday, and it was another day of Mondo Power. Lots of two home run performances, mostly from players that we would expect that from, but not all. And a couple of other uh, noteworthy offensive performances, and uh, definitely some surprising pitching performances, both good and bad, that are worth uh, delving into a little bit. So we'll be getting into all that after this brief break. Stick around. fantasy nerds here's a question for you what do mozzarella sticks and the fantasy sports radio network have in common they're both awesome apps <laughs> but seriously download the fantasy sports radio network app right now and get all your favorite shows and fantasy advice at the touch of a tiny icon on your screen snapchat and instagram aren't going to help you win a fantasy football title but the fantasy sports radio network app will so go get it now on google play and itunes Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I am your host, Al Melchior. And got more breaking news. I'm going to give that to you in just 30 seconds. But first, let me tell you about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for this, the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wire wizard and learn to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every week. And for this season, you also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So go out and get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of the standings. Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout to get a special discount and a bit of wow news, at least for me, I'm, I'm excited about this. The Cardinals have called up Luke Weaver. Remember him? <laughs> the, uh, at, at a point uh, seemed to be uh, the favorite, and certainly at the very least a contender to be the Cardinals fifth starter out of spring training. And then uh, uh, got hurt and uh, Michael Waka came to the fore and, and, and grabbed the spot. Uh, I have seen just a few reports in the last few minutes, but not a single one detailing what his role is going to be. And, and given that, um, you know, Waka has been pitching much better lately, it, it doesn't sound like, you know, there's there's going to be a move there. But um, at the same time, it seems really would seem sort of odd to me that they'd call Weaver up to pitch in relief. But who knows? Uh, certainly got to look at that situation, keep an eye on it. Uh, and at the same time, I think a really good stash, just in case Weaver makes it into that Cardinals rotation, it just seems to me like one of the least likely rotations that a um, a prospect could just come up and, and crack in the middle of the season. So might be some intrigue there in St. Louis, uh, but pretty, I think, pretty interesting and pretty exciting news. Uh, and also, sticking with the Cardinals, their lineup is out for tonight's game at home against the Marlins. Jeff Locke, Matt Carpenter leading off and playing second base tonight. And uh, filling in over at first is Luke Voigt. 
He's batting seventh in the Cardinals lineup. So um, a little bit of a development there. And the Phillies, I've been tracking this one for the last few shows. I don't know if this seems strange to people. I, I admit I've got a little bit of a Daniel Nava obsession going on. Once I saw he had a 900-plus OPS against right-handers, I thought, well, this is, this is a sneaky guy for some of my deeper leagues. Uh, maybe it, it turns into something even more than that. And uh, on, uh, yeah, I believe it was yesterday's show for Sunday's lineup, both Nava and Nick Williams, the prospect who was just called up, were both in the lineup, and Odubel Herrera sat. Well, again, for Monday uh, against the Pirates at home, again, Nava and Nick Williams, both in the Phillies lineup. Nava batting leadoff. He got three hits on Sunday, by the way, so that worked out pretty nicely for, for Pete McCannon. Uh, Williams batting fifth. Uh, they've got the corners, Nava and left, Williams and right, and Odubel Herrera back in the Phillies starting lineup. So no Aaron Altair to face Ivan Nova. So this seems to be the way this is going, is they've got a little bit of rotation. So maybe tomorrow it's Nava that sits, or maybe it's Williams who sits. But that, you know, if we're talking to rotation here, I mean, Nick Williams is certainly somebody who should be picked up and, and I think is being picked up for deeper mixed leagues. A lot of power there. And batting in the middle of the lineup, even though it is the Phillies lineup, uh, there's some run-producing potential. But, uh, you know, not for the deeper leagues where, you know, you'd be looking at Nava anyway, that's that's enough playing time if he's playing, say, five days a week. Um, you know, that, that'd be enough to get it done for Daniel Nava if he keeps hitting like this. So uh, that that's an interesting one. All right, well, talked about Nava's three-hit game on Sunday. Let's talk about some power, though. That's what we love to talk about here. And Mookie Betts put up a line score that looked like it was from a doubleheader. He went four for six. He hit his 14th and 15th home runs and stole his 15th base. So look at that. Going into the fantasy second half, Mookie Betts is precisely on a 30-30 pace. Uh, And eight RBIs in that game at Toronto. Uh, So like I said, to me, that almost looks like a doubleheader kind of line for Mookie Betts. But, uh, you know, we knew he was great. A lot of people were drafting him number two after Mike Trout back in March. Uh, certainly, you know, top three, top four overall player uh, going into this year, and, and he is uh, certainly picking picking it up. But I mentioned Hanley Ramirez earlier in the show, and this to be is much more impactful in terms of your fantasy decision-making because Mookie Betts is obviously must start, obviously elite. Hanley Ramirez is sort of fringy when you take the full season numbers that he typically gives you, and with first base getting much deeper this year, even more, a little more fringy. And, and Hanley Ramirez is just not really, we've not seen the best version of him up to this point. But that is starting to change. And he had a very big game on Sunday against the Blue Jays, going three for five, hit his 12th home run of the year. Uh, that was his second three-hit game in a row, his third multi-hit game in a row. And he's got a little seven-game hit streak going on, uh, which isn't particularly noteworthy in and of itself. But in that seven-game hit streak, Ramirez is 12 for 30 with three homers and four doubles. So with another player, I might not give this a whole lot of weight, but we've seen Hanley Ramirez do this for many, many years now where he slumps very badly for a couple of months, maybe even an entire half of the season, and then he just goes bananas. And it may be premature to say that, but I think it's worth noting, especially when you consider 
that Hanley Ramirez is not, he's not universally owned. And again, understanding the depth of the first burst, first base pool, that's not necessarily a, a problem, but it's something you can take advantage of. If you're in a shallower league, there's a chance that Hanley Ramirez is out there. I looked for him this morning in one of my daily lineup leagues. He wasn't there, but I did happen to find um, uh, Logan Morrison. So I was able to plug him in, which was nice. Uh, but Ramirez might be out there for you in, in one of your uh, one of your shallower leagues. And if you already own him, he is far from universally started. So I think it's time to flip the switch. And if you're a Hanley Ramirez owner or want to be one, get him in your lineup because he is red hot right now. And it's no guarantee that he's going to go off for two or three months. But he also very well could. That's what happened about this time last season for Hanley Ramirez. Bryce Harper, uh, I got to just mention him because he hit two home runs. If you hit two home runs, I mention you on the show. <laughs> Even if, uh, like with Mookie Betts, there's really nothing actionable here because Bryce Harper is started and should be started everywhere, but he had a three-hit game against the Cardinals and hit his 19th and 20th home runs and also hit his 20th double, so Bryce Harper is awesome. Jose Ramirez is also awesome. He hit his 14th and 15th home runs at Detroit. He had a three-hit game, so he stays hot. Um, Ramirez, of course, needs to be started everywhere. And Marcelo Zuna needs to be started everywhere, including at Marlins Park for the All-Star game. He was voted in. I think that is really cool for Ozuna. Uh, three for four for him. He hit his 21st and 22nd home runs versus the Brewers at Miller Park. Uh, that was kind of a funny situation. If you were, uh, you know, either watching the game or watching the highlight shows yesterday, you almost certainly saw uh, Ozuna. He hit the the first home run and then came up to bat again and uh, had the uh, bat taken away. Uh, the umpire said it had too much pine tar on it. Had a second bat rejected, and then he went up there with John Carlos Stanton's bat and hit his second twenty second home run of the season, his second home run of the game. That was kind of neat. Uh, Christian Yelich with a big game. And sort of like with, you know, Betts and Ramirez, like one was definitely more actionable and, and, and relevant than the other. Marcelo Zuna, at this point, you're, you're just starting no matter what. Christian Yelich, I think, has underproduced to the point where it's reasonable to have some doubt about whether or not to start him. Absolutely in a three outfielder league, maybe even in a five outfielder league, although I feel like that's stretching it a bit. But Yelich went four for five in this game against the Brewers hit a double, which is his 13th double of the year. Now, he's only got seven home runs. And I know there, to me, it seemed like there were a lot more doubters of Christian Yelich's 20 homer season a year ago than there were believers. So the fact that he's on a, you know roughly a 14 home run pace, I don't think should surprise anybody. In fact, probably a lot of people are saying, see, I told you so. He's probably more of a 10 to 15 home run guy because he just hits so many ground balls. But those 13 doubles, I mean, this is a guy who has been a doubles hitter. And that is the thing that maybe should give you a little bit of pause, uh, are those 13 doubles. And as it turns out, if you dig a little bit behind the results, there is some definite reason to be concerned here about Christian Yelich. While he's hit a ton of ground balls over his career, he's also been, at least over the last couple of seasons, one of the top hitters in terms of average fly ball distance. So doesn't hit a ton of fly balls, but the ones he hit are hit with real authority. Last year, he averaged 347 feet per fly ball, which is just elite. 
uh, really one of the you know the best uh, that you could you could ask for. This year he's down to 315 feet, which is I wouldn't even say it's average. I mean it's it's not uh, it's it's not a great show of power for Christian Yelich, and he given that he doesn't give himself a lot of chances to hit uh, hit home runs given his ground ball rate and maybe even doubles and triples. That's a little concerning for Christian Yelich. So if you're counting on a rebound from him, if you're looking to buy low on Yelich, not to say that he can't increase that distance in the second half, not to say that whatever is ailing him can be fixed. And and let me be clear, I'm using ailing in a uh, figurative sense here, not a literal sense. I don't think he's hurt. But um, you know, three months of this from Yelich to me is very concerning. I would not be attempting a buy low on him unless I you know, was in a position to take a risk. Uh, and maybe trade from a position of strength and, and you know if I already had some outfield depth to fall back on. So we're not even close to done with the standout performances. A lot more to come. We got one more segment. We'll hit all the rest of them. So stick around, we'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And I've got a Luke Weaver update for you. If you were with me for the last segment, you know that Luke Weaver's been called up by the Cardinals. Initially, there wasn't any indication how he was going to be used. But now from Jennifer Langosh of MLB.com, he's going to be pitching out of the bullpen. And to quote her directly, at least initially. So the intrigue continues because uh, that sort of hints that, uh, that he may not stay in the bullpen. But at least for this week, definitely do not count on getting a start from Luke Weaver. But still pretty exciting that he's up. So with a little bit of time we got left here, uh, let me just review a few of the noteworthy performances from Sunday. Uh, I didn't even get through all the two homer performances. That's how much power there was. Ian Happ was a part of the homer parade. He went three for four with two homers, uh, numbers 11 and 12. He also stole a second base of the year at the Reds. And Kurt Suzuki, two-homer game for him. He's now up to six on the season. Now, he's been getting, uh, over the, the course of the year, less of the playing time behind the plate than Tyler Flowers. Um, but in that limited time, he's really made the most of it uh, with a 195 isolated power. And just 118 at bats, uh, those six home runs. So um, you know Suzuki uh, showed a little more power, and it's it's been a while. But you know the early days with the A's. I mean, this is a guy who looked like he had some decent power for a catcher. So uh, you know it's uh, good to see from Kurt Suzuki. And also in the that uh, game uh, at Oakland, Jim Johnson blew the save for the Braves. That is his sixth already this season. So those of you who have uh, been keeping an eye on Erodus Vizcaino, I mean, there's not a change that's imminent there for the Braves. But uh, you know, it might be a time to do a little stash 
with the Rotis Viscaino. Getting back to the hitters, though, Whit Merrifield, three for five with his 13th and 14th doubles and three stolen bases all off of Jason Castro. Merrifield now has 11 steals on the year. Castro has been about league average in terms of throwing runners out, so I'm not going to read a whole lot into that in terms of picking on Jason Castro, but Merrifield up to 11 steals already. Uh, as for pitching performances, Kevin Gosman went seven scoreless. That's his second straight scoreless start for Gosman. This against the uh, Rays with nine strikeouts, just two walks, just two hits allowed. Excellent start for Gosman, who seems to be pitching better lately. I am going to be featuring him in the waiver wire column that I'm going to write for FanRag Sports right after the show. So uh, check that out later today if you want to know a little bit more. I'm running a little short on time here, so I'll save it for the column. Mike Clevenger with a nice start at the Tigers. Five walks, which is kind of uh, the thing that Clevenger does, but seven strikeouts, only one run in six innings against the Tigers. Nick Pavetta went seven innings against the Mets and only allowed one hit, but four walks. One run allowed, uh, four strikeouts for Pavetta. So sort of an up-and-down line there for him. Uh, but the strikeout potential, not really showing up in that start, but it's it's there for Pavetta. Julisha seen five scoreless against the Dodgers. Um, in the Sunday Streamers column, I advise people to stay away from him. Even though he's been great at home, and that was a home start, I thought the Dodgers would be too tough of a matchup. That turned out to be wrong. So looking really good at home there, Yuli Chassin. And finally, to end the show on a bit of a downer, Luis Severino, only five in the third innings at Houston. Tough matchup. Gave up six runs on nine hits and a walk with seven strikeouts. Three of his last four starts, he's given up at least four runs. He's also had a ridiculously low 56% strand rate. The XFIP is 3.13. So... If you can, buy low on Luis Severino because the peripherals have looked good even if the results have hurt you in fantasy. So on that note, I hope everybody has a fantastic 4th of July. hope you enjoy the holiday. And I will be back here, same time, same channel, on Thursday. So have a good one, everybody. Take care.